Hey, welcome to Inside the Album. I'm Don Seckler. He's Tommy Hilkin. How you doing, Tom? Don, I'm doing good, man. How are you? Real good. So in this Inside the Album, what we do is go inside the album. We're going to tell you all the stories about your favorite classic rock albums. We're going to talk about the recording process, what was happening at the time in the, with these bands, and try to give you some insight as to how these great albums came together and you know, hopefully get some of those myths dispelled and, and give you some more kind of insider secrets about what was happening with these albums. And today we are going to cover Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. Mm -hmm. And boy, am I glad we are. Yes, sir. So that's mm -hmm. a great album. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe, like, share, do those things on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. If you want to see video, we are on YouTube as well. So check out our YouTube channel, Inside the Album. We also have a merch store on our website, InsideTheAlbum.com, where you can get lots of cool rock and roll type shirts and other merchandise, lots of cool stuff for everybody. But my favorite thing about the podcast is that we're able to also incorporate a charity. So tell mm. us about the charity we're working with, Tom. And Yeah, thanks, Don. It's called Music for Mark. You know, our intention of doing the podcast is to bring notice, to let people know, make them aware of what we're doing. We want to bring music to the world. It's been our love, you and I. That's why we're doing this together. Music is the doctor for us, for sure. For sure. So Music for Mark, we want to bring music lessons, musical instruments to the world. Right. And what we need to do is we need to gather some funds to get guitars and let's say banjos, whatever it might be, keyboards. So that's the one we want to do it through our foundation. But another thing we want to remind everybody out there, if you have a guitar, a ukulele, a, a tambourine laying around, it's a musical instrument that could be used. Reach out to us. We'd be glad to pick it up and put it to perfect use. Yeah, so we'd it. love music for Mark .com. Yeah, we'd love to get those instruments into the hands yep. of kids who have some interest and help music continue, you know, and it's one of those things in school where some of the schools, you know, the music programs are a little weak. So we'd like to help, you know, spread music amongst young people. And, and that would be great. Super. So goodbye, Yellow Brick Road from Elton John. This is an album that goes all the way back to 1973. So Mm -hmm. This is kind of, you know, the, the end of the 60s and the beginning of the 70s. Recording on this album started uh, in January of 1973. The band is really Elton John and his, his uh, partner is Bernie Taupin, who actually wrote the lyrics. But this is really Elton John. You know, there's some of these solo artists where they work with the same band all the time. This, El, Elton John was really a solo artist. It's Elton and and it was Elton and Elton and Elton and more of Elton. So <laughs> as I just mentioned, Bernie Taupin was the, the lyricist for Elton, but it really the band is Elton with, with a bunch of uh, players who he, you know, brought in to fill out the rest of the parts. Yeah, studio session guys. But again, you know, some of the best in the business. Wasn't like yeah. they were just uh, some schlubs off the street for no. sure. Great, great musicians, but yeah. this was really, it's Elton John. This is Elton's ship and and it's going to go the way Elton wants it to go. <laughs> That's right. What, El what Elton wants, Elton gets. <laughs> so the album sold uh, 30 million copies, Ooh. which is insane. insane. Uh, it reached number one in the US, the UK, Canada, Australia. It was number 91 on Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. And in 2003, the album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Yeah. So this album, I think by a lot of people is considered Elton John's greatest work. And the interesting thing about it is it's a double album. So, you know, we're not just talking about uh, 12 songs here. This this album has 17 songs on it. So it, it's very, very long. There's a lot of music here. Uh, because of that, because of, you know, our, our podcast format, we don't want to make this be a four-hour podcast. So we're just going to kind of touch on uh, a handful of the songs. Um, but we want to make sure that everybody understands that there's a lot of music here if you'd like to dig into it. 
Yeah, and as we always say, the reason we're doing this is to raise awareness of go home, put this album on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is a masterpiece. It really you know, is. We talk about musical masterpieces, you know, it gets thrown around, but you know, really what we're covering here inside the album is just the best of the best. And this truly a masterpiece. Yeah, and the, and you know we're gonna go through the songs we're gonna go through. Most of them are legendary, so I mean it's that level where these are the best of the best songs. Um, so th at the time, uh, Elton John was kind of in the middle of a string of really hugely popular and successful albums. Right before this album, he released "Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player," which included mm -hmm. uh, the song "Daniel" and "Crocodile Rock." huge huge hits so yeah. elton john has really now hit his stride this is when elton john is playing you know dodger stadium and and madison square garden and and all these legendary locations and just going on these huge world tours and putting on these extravagant yeah. stage shows so he's really really in the zone when we get to this point for for uh goodbye yellow brick road yeah just tremendous album everything about it you know it blows me away when you think 30 million copies back then right people buying albums just unbelievable yeah little, little little tidbit on this and i'll throw it in there it's uh elton john was the first concert i ever saw oh wow huh. yeah 1976 madison square garden so if you wonder why i'm hooked on concerts and been to as many as i have we can thank elton john for that well and elton john you know, he's a showman. So oh. when he's live, he's putting on a show and over the top with the costumes and the, the kind of theatrics of the music and just a great, great performer live. Well, let, let me tell you, just so I can throw it in, then we'll get into the album. It was my first concert. The lights go out. You see one big light in the center of the stage, right? Silence. Elton John comes out from underneath the stage being raised <laughs> as the Statue of Liberty in the middle of Madison Square Garden. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen, listen, I can still feel it. This is why I love what we're doing here is that this is just such great impact on my life in a positive way. Thank yeah, God. and he just loved the show and he loved uh, go. He liked being over the top and just blowing people's minds, which, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. And even though, you know, you say Elton John, he's kind of middle of the road rock and roll. But it, the, the, that take that whole element of that stage performance and, you know, the, the work he put into those things really took it over the top. Uh, oh. Along with the amazing legendary music, this these songs are are insanely good. Yeah, quite the catalog. Yes, quite the catalog. And so <laughs> we'll take a look here on the video of, of this album cover, and it's basically Elton John, kind of a Wizard of Oz setting, and that's you know the Yellow Brick Road is obviously a Wizard of Oz reference. He's like it's a it's a cartoony drawing of him like stepping onto the the Yellow Brick Road. Uh, the original interesting thing is that they had a couple different couple different titles that they were working with. Originally, they were talking about vodka and tonics as one title, mm. and then also the other title they were considering was silent movies, talking pictures. So kind of interesting, you know, the vodka and tonics. Obviously, they're you know that was I guess his <laughs> drink of choice at the time. I like I kind of like silent movies, talking pictures, but you know in the end goodbye yellow brick road it just has that it's got such a lyrical quality to it right yeah and it's just so fitting you know as it plays out through the album it makes all the sense in the world amazing yeah. on your way to oz right yeah exactly and and you know that as you said that like as the 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 album plays out interesting thing about this that we'll see right with the with the first song we'll get into this but there are some themes that repeat throughout and so you know there is a little bit of that and it, it is a cohesive thing it's not just songs slapped together so there's a lot of thought and yeah. in, in, in terms of uh how the album was put together as an overall piece of, of music or creative work and i'm sure we'll cover some of them but you know the themed albums that continue song after song that actually have they mean something together as an album see people got together and wrote albums not just wrote songs you know and it was they yeah. knew they had to put Let's put it this way, probably better off said putting together an album, right? Instead of, you know, creating an album, instead of just creating songs, right? They have to think of how does this come together as an album? And right. And does listen, it fit? 
You know, does this song fit with these other songs? That's a lot. That's a consideration a lot of the time. Yeah. And we, and we were blessed to have some like with what we're doing here. You know, we've been blessed with some of the greatest albums that were ever created. So it's very sure. cool. Yeah. So when they started uh, recording this, Elton John wanted to go to Jamaica. Part of the reason was the Rolling Stones had just recorded Goat's Head Soup there. He was friends with Mick and, and Keith and those guys, and they went down to Jamaica, give it a shot at a different environment, try to capture something. But they had a lot of problems. So there were problems with the sound system. There was problems with the piano. Uh, there was logistical issues because at the time, the Joe Frazier, George Foreman boxing match was taking place in Kingston, Jamaica. And there were also protests over politics and economic situation in Jamaica. Mm. So they started working uh, in Jamaica, but then before any real productive work got doing, they went to France to finish the album. So, you know, there, there's one song on here, which we're not going to go into in detail, which is called uh, Jamaica Jerk Off, which has that <laughs> kind of uh, Jamaican, you know, reggae-ish type feel to it. Um, Come on, man. Yeah, but beyond that, there really wasn't much of the Jamaican influence on the album. But the thing was that Bernie had uh, Bernie Taupin had written the lyrics in like two and a half weeks, and Elton John did most of the wow. music in three days while they were staying in Jamaica. So a lot of it was actually kind of the basis, at least, was written in Jamaica. But you know, in the end, they ended up recording uh, the album in France. Just crazy what you said, how much they put this together and how quickly. Just crazy. I know. And, you know, they had, I I think it was 20 or 20 something or it might have been 30 songs for the album and, you know, ended up using uh, 18 or 17, actually. Um, so, you you know, you wonder about, okay, wow, how do you produce that much stuff that quickly? But again, when you're this talented and, you know, these guys are super, super talented in terms of, of mm. what they do the stuff just flows right out of you and it's you know it's a lot less labored than than it is when you don't have that talent well when you think about it right they came together as as a team uh lyrically right which is amazing because could elton john have done this on his own right that's the thing you know i know he's always given great credit to bernie Tompkins as well he should but think about that two people got together and created what no one man could yeah yeah and you know it, that's something too, when you're so focused on one aspect, I think you, you get really good at it. So Bernie is a lyricist. Yep. He's not, you know, he's not playing the piano and writing the, the melodies and stuff like that. But Elton, that was his thing. He wasn't great with the lyrics, but Bernie would hand him the lyrics. And a lot of times Elton was writing to the lyrics. So he's coming up with the music based on Always, what the yeah. lyrics were. So, yeah, you yeah. know, and different, everybody works differently. So you'll hear different artists say, okay, the music comes first or the lyrics come first, but it's an interesting mix when you have two people and it's not like McCartney and Lennon where they're kind of writing together, together and, right. and Jagger and Richards where they're writing together and, and, and doing those things. Each of these guys is kind of staying in their lane and focusing on, on what they do best. And you talk about the universe, right? It's, I don't know if you're going to cover it, but I was just thinking, you know, I heard the story of how they met Bernie Taupin and Elton John. Yeah, they both just showed up at an audition for uh, songwriters and they ended up being in the same room that there was an ad in a paper and they ended up from that day growing closer and together and there it was. They developed yeah. this, this collaboration and this friendship. Well, and back in the day, that's how a lot of times how guys found band members. It was ads in in newspapers <laughs> or music papers or things like that. I mean, that's how Ozzy got into Black Sabbath. You know, he hadn't he had an ad and running in a music paper, and Sabbath was looking for a singer. <laughs> well, you think about it here. You know, I, was, I used to get it delivered all the time back when I was younger. The Village Voice was full of everything, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The Village Voice. Oh, yeah. Sure. So there, yeah. and every city has those papers, you know, the, the cheapy papers that are free or the musician papers that are, you know, yep. running all the band ads and who's playing where and sort of things. I, I don't know if those really exist as much today because you've got the internet, but it used to be like, you'd go down to the, the newspaper store and grab the weekly and see who's playing where. And that decided which shows you would go to. That's how we used to do it. Yeah. That's how we used to <laughs> back in the day, back, back in the day, day. When it was when there was newspapers. Back in my day. 
All right. So let's right. Uh, let's dig into the songs let's here. We're going to start off with Funeral for a Friend. Mm -hmm. This one, I'm going to start it 15 seconds in because it it's a very, very quiet, slow buildup. But let's take a listen and we'll talk about it. Let's do it. You know, so that goes on for about four minutes. It's a little bit eerie, but the interesting thing is that uh, they are using a bunch of melodies from other songs in, on the album within this song. So you can hear that in there. And Elton John had said that he was thinking of what kind of music he would like to have played at his funeral. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and this song was also uh, performed on an ARP synthesizer. And so, again, we talked about Abbey Road a few weeks ago, which was the, one of the first uses of a synthesizer. Here's another use of synthesizers now. We're getting into the 70s and these the technology, and we're getting into that, you know, the, the more, um, you know, eventually becomes new wave stuff. But those synthesizers are starting to show their head a lot in rock and roll. Oh yeah, it's not you know leading towards the techno and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, uh, it changes everything. The dynamics, right? Of really, what it comes down to is what electricity brought to music. Yeah, and you know, for the time, it was so new and unique that it was kind of a cool sound, and everybody thought, "Wow, that's neat," because it was so brand new. Now you kind of, when you hear it, you it seems so old school because it was you know it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, but interesting on the, in terms of the technology and, and that they're, I really like that they echo the themes of some of the other songs within that one song. So to me, that was very, very interesting. Yeah. I loved when you gave that shout out and I heard it. That was very cool. So the next song on this album actually is Love Lies Bleeding and, and mm. it, they're actually listed as one song. So they're, they're so tightly interwoven and there's no real break as to where one starts and one ends. So we're kind of going to jump into it here, but take a listen and, and we'll talk about this again. This is a, a great, uh, to me, I love the riff in, in Love Lies Bleeding. So <laughs> let's, let's take a listen. How could you Another day. And the 
so uh, that line right there and love lies bleeding in my hand oh it kills me to think of you with another man mm. this is bernie Taupin talking about uh kind of using uh death as a symbol for an angry take on a breakup song so that's what this song is about and it, it to me it just rocks i love it oh dude let me say it. I haven't said it yet. Dude, it's rock and roll. <laughs> it is rock and roll. <laughs> you know, and again, like, you know, I think when people say Elton John, people think, okay, very middle of the road. And it is kind of middle of the road, but it's also, it's got a lot of boogie woogie. You know, he's such oh. a great piano player. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, it, the riff at that opening riff and then the moving into the, the chorus and that song is just, it really takes you away. And if you listen to it, what you were saying about Elton John taking center stage, you know, the piano's super loud. You could hear his voice, right? He's in perfect voice on this song. But, you know, the fill from the band is, is tremendous, yet it's not overwhelming. Right. right? It fits you perfectly. Hear the licks, right. But he's still the center of attention on all right. these songs. And it's kind of like we, we talked about with Clapton. So, you know, these solo guys... A lot of times, even though they're bringing in these great players to play with them and writing these songs that incorporate all these other parts, right. they still find a way to sh keep their brilliance bright, you know, and make it shine. Yeah, lowering everybody else's amps. <laughs> That's one way to go. <laughs> oh, it's about me, me. I'm Elton John. All right, so let's That's listen great. to uh, the next track on the song, which mm. I, I'm assuming pretty much everybody knows because this song has had two lives. Uh, this one is yes. uh, Candle in the Wind. Goodbye, Norma Jean. So this song, uh, I think er pretty much everybody knows, was uh, written about Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. Originally, Bernie got the idea for the title from a quote that he read about Janis Joplin. And to him, to Bernie, the song is really more a little bit more on, about a take on fame and celebrity than it is about, uh, a sp about specifically Marilyn Monroe. And then when Elton John got the lyrics from Bernie, he had no trouble writing the music. So he mm -hmm. understood the stress caused by the constant media attention because he was in the middle of it. You know, Elton was super popular at this time. It had hit after hit after hit and was starting to get, you know, hounded by the press and all, all the kind of, you know, the bad things that kind of go along with fame. So uh, the thing about it was that Elton said, okay, you know, here's all, uh, he understood all that constant media attention and he felt that, you know, Marilyn Monroe must have had that same uh, feeling. And so that's how that whole thing fits together. But it's really about the 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 pain of having, you know, being hounded by a, as a celebrity. Yeah, this song says it all for me, you know, about Bernie Taupin. And, you know, it's a, they talk about him. He's a songwriter. He's a poet. He's a storyteller. And this song is pretty much just musically telling a story, which is just beautiful. Yeah, for sure. It's a gorgeous, it's a, it's got, uh, you know, gorgeous lyrics, gorgeous melody. It's just an amazing song. Um, when they wrote it, they actually kind of wrote it at breakfast. So there was a big room where they were having the whole a team, all the players and everybody involved was having breakfast. And Bernie brought the lyrics down. There was a piano in that room and Elton John sat down and just started writing. And the guys in the band were watching him record or not record but write the song 
as they're eating breakfast. So Elton oh. John came up with this while everybody's eating breakfast. That's amazing, right? <laughs> and he said, it, yeah, and they said they went right in after that and recorded it and boom, it came together. It was so quick and so easy. So just amazing. I'll say. Could you imagine you're having your Cheerios and Elton John is over there writing candle in the wind in front of you? That's it. The best, like you and I, we can't even talk to each other during breakfast and look what they did. <laughs> After breakfast. <laughs> Good so, point. Yeah. So this song did have two lives and um, it was rewritten slightly in 1997 after uh, mm. Princess Diana in, uh, from the UK died. Mm -hmm. And she she was friends with Elton John and, and a huge fan of his. And she kind of identified with that sentiment in those lyrics. The interesting one of the one of the lyric that uh, she really kind of identified with was that they made you change your name, never knowing what to cling to when the rain set in. And even when you died, the press still hounded you. So that all fit her so closely, you know, because she was kind of thrown into that. Uh -huh whole thing with the with the monarchy and and all the the attention from the press and everything. So it's definitely uh, definitely an all time great legendary song. And I just I just love it so much. And she was, you know, overall, actually, probably the love of Elton's life. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were they were close buddies at the oh, time. Yeah. You know, he did oh, yeah. a lot of work for uh, a bunch of her charities. And and so oh, yeah. uh, he got to know her pretty well, I think. Oh, no, he certainly did. And, you know, he, he loved her. You know, he, he was heartbroken for sure. It wasn't just like losing a princess. Yeah. yeah he, lost, he lost a dear friend. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. People like when, you know, you hear these stories about like, uh, so like people don't understand sometimes, I think, when a celebrity dies and another celebrity who was friends with them, it, it's not the same thing as, as you know, uh, somebody you don't know dying when it's your friend. It has oh, so much sure. more impact. Uh, I know that when uh, Dave Grohl's tells a story when after uh, Kurt Cobain committed suicide, he ran into Lemmy from Motorhead. And the first thing Lemmy said was, oh, I'm sorry about the death of your friend. And Dave said that, you know, nobody had said that to him after the death of Kurt. It was not it was always your bandmate, you know, not your friend. And th yeah. these guys are we're best friends, you know, yeah, or good friends, probably not best friends, but. <laughs> friends yeah friends so anyway benefits <laughs> again you know so the, the, we're going actually the first four songs here and uh, funeral for a friend love live bleeding is really one song the first four songs on this album are amazing legendary songs so let's dive into another legendary track uh this is number three and it's benny and the jets So one of the interesting things about this song is that they recorded it basically as a live sound with these crowd effects, like it was a live mm -hmm. performance. You know, that's unusual. I've never seen another studio band, a studio album with a, with a quote unquote live track on it. So it was interesting how that developed. So they were doing the working on the mix. For some reason, Elton John had hit the that opening chord at the very beginning that you hear that ching comes in once mm -hmm. and then the song starts. 
they said, you know, that's the kind of thing that somebody does when they're on stage right before, you know, like they're doing a live show. So it started them thinking maybe we should fake it live, you know, and make it sound live. So the whistling and stuff uh, on that track is just a bunch of the guys in the studio. And then the applause is taken from two different things. Uh, One, when Elton John did his festival hall show, plus there were also some of Jimi Hendrix's live from the Isle of Wight. So they took (laughs) these crowds from two different places and put them onto this song to make it sound like a live track, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this track for me is if you really listen, how you can see how, you know, Bernie Taupin would bring the lyrics and he just literally sat down and started playing this to the lyrics, right? You can start to see how it works for the two of them that there's really... It's great. The piano work is awesome. I'm getting to play the imaginary piano as we're talking here, you know, (laughs) but how it just blends in where he says, well, let me take this and put some music behind it. Probably the same way he sat down and started it is how it ended up on the album. When you think about it, it's that's simplistic, but great. Yeah. Yeah. So they, Elton wrote the music on this song as an homage to glam rock. So that, you know, it was in the early 70s, it was David Bowie, Gary Glitter, all these things were pos- popular, especially in the UK. On Bernie's side, Benny is actually a female character, uh-huh. and they considered her a sci-fi rock goddess. So it's this kind of like, you know, a sci-fi song, kind of space-oriented, and that's kind of the glam rock stuff with like David Bowie and, and uh, age, um what is it? Uh, Major Tom, Agent Tom, uh, Major Tom, and all that kind of Agent, stuff. Secret Agent Tom. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So, you know, it's a combination of kind of stuff they were influenced by, plus a story that Bernie had had come up with. The falsetto vocal that Elton is doing when he gets super high, he's trying yeah. to emulate Frankie Valley. So Elton was a huge fan of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons growing mm. up, and he went to uh, used to go see their shows when he was younger. So that's interesting as well. So yeah. stuff stuff that's unusual that you you know you wouldn't think Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons ha- would have anything or any influence on Elton John. They're so different, you know. Mm. Let me tell you, Donnie boy, one of the best concerts I've ever been to, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. I believe it. I love oh. those guys. Great. Oh my God. It was, a, great, it was great amazing. Music. Hey, you talked about glam rock. So let's take a shout out a little time out to Sylvain Sylvain just passed yesterday. One of the members of the New York dolls. Ah, uh, so, Yeah. So there's only one New York doll left and it's David Johansson. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah. So shout out there of the guys that brought us great music in New York city. Right. Yeah. yeah. And definitely one of the leaders in, in glam rock at the time, right? At the time. Oh, no doubt. Great stuff. The other interesting thing about Benny and the Jets is that Elton performed this on Soul Train. <laughs> so he was the first he was the first white superstar to ever appear on the show. He was only the third white performer. Wow. Let's face it, Elton John's is about as white as it gets, right? <laughs> okay, you're allowed to say that. He is. Yes. So, you know, when he's on, and I don't know if people aren't familiar with Soul Train, go on YouTube and look at Soul Train. Uh, It was, you know, it was a black show with black music at the time, and it was all about dancing and having a good time and everything, you know, so it was unusual to have something that was so out of character for what you would usually hear on Soul Train. Dude, I've never seen it, but I'm going to check it out because I want to hear Don Cornelius. Wait, you've never seen Soul Train? No, I've seen Soul Train. Oh, okay. I've never seen. <laughs> I want to see Don Cornelius introduce Elton John. Yeah. You know Don Cornelius, ladies and gentlemen. You know. Yeah, Don Cornelius is the host of Soul Train, and the dude has big afro. Yeah, he's got it. Well, it's you know the mid seventies. Got yeah. a giant, giant afro it's and the, the lowest voice you've ever heard. It's oh, amazing. The best. He's got, got a great you. voice. I Dude, love that's that. That's worth checking out and posting. Yeah. It really yeah, is so cool. Track number four is. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, the title track.
So again, another just legendary song that I think, you know, uh, probably most people, at least people our age and older have, have heard. It was rumored that the song was about Judy Garland, who starred in the film, The mm. Wizard of Oz. Sure. Uh, but Bernie said it was about this period when he was going through that whole got to get back to my roots type of thing. That spawned a lot of like-minded songs for him in the early days, and th that was one of them. He didn't like. He didn't say that he was like turning his back on his success, or he didn't want it. Mm. It was just that he said that he he wasn't ever like that naive. So he was holding, hoping that there would sometime be a happy medium between the tranquility of you know anonymity and and not all the the, the craziness that goes on with celebrity, but right. also with the success. So it's kind of like a it's kind of just like a look back and a little bit reminiscent of when, again, these guys are, were in the middle of huge, huge visibility and awareness with the press and everything. Sure. Yeah. This song is truly genius. It really is. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a nice, it's nice. It's got a kind of a nice tranquil setting. It's a, it's a, just a gorgeous, beautiful song. And I love it so much. Yeah. You know, that's the challenge of what we do here inside the album is, we stop these after 45 seconds or so, you know, it's like, I'm sitting there going, just play it through. Just play it through. <laughs> right? Because it's yeah. a challenging part. But like you said, if you haven't heard about it and you've never heard the songs, you know, listen, go play these albums. You'll be glad you did. That's the one thing I always have to say. Yeah. I promise you, you'll be glad you did. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's, we're going to jump around a little bit now, and we're going to move on to something that is uh, quite different than what's on the rest of the album. So let's take a listen to Your Sister Can't Twist, But She Can Rock and Roll. So uh, this song is, you know, obviously you can hear it very clearly. It's a throwback to the music of the late 50s and early 60s that kind of do the twist and chubby checker and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when you think about it, this is 1973 and you're going back, you know, a decade or a decade and a half. And it's it's a little bit of reminiscing, you know, so it's it's bringing back the past a little bit. Sure, you know, it's got a little bebop to it. Yeah, they used to, so there were a lot of dance crazes back in the late 50s, early 60s uh, with teenage girls. And this song finds Elton John singing about this 16-year-old girl who can't do the twist, but she can out-buck out a Bronco. Nice. <laughs> 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 the I don't other, know what you're supposed to say about that, but uh, you know, I don't know. We're just going to leave that one there. <laughs> yeah, the, well, buck a Bronco, <laughs> I like that. So the also the other thing was, you know, he, so Elton said it was a cross between surfing music and Freddie Cannon records, which is interesting. Yeah, Freddie Boom Cannon. Yeah, and so he the thing was that Elton said that he really wanted to write something that ended the whole crocodile rock thing. He was kind of sick of that because that was, I guess, probably his most popular song up until that point. Right. And you remember what the radio did. We always talk about that. If a song is a hit, man, you're going to hear it every hour on the hour. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I, I get it. And that sometimes they, you know, you just kind of get sick of the same stuff. Even the artists who wrote the oh, songs, you hear oh, it. Sure. You hear these stories all the time. So. And you see guys who progressed and later in the 70s and early I, I hear uh, Nick Lowe and Dave Edmonds, you know, uh, they did a song, uh, I Knew the Bride When She Used to Rock and Roll. Right. You know that tune? It, it's kind of like I could hear it all coming together. How, you know, these guys hear these songs and then they create their own from them. 
Yeah, and that song sounds a lot like has a similar feel to this song, you know. Oh, so it's it's a, absolutely it's kind of a common style for this type of song that you've yeah. heard probably in many songs. So, uh, you know, not breaking any boundaries, but a good, interesting uh, mix to what was happening with the rest of the album. You know, these guys look at who their influences were, right? In the back of the day, some piano play, little Rod, little Richard, you know, Chuck Berry. Those are the guys that those are the guys they were looking at. You know what I mean? Right. So, when who are they emulating, especially if you're playing the piano and you want to be flamboyant? I'm sure Little Richard had a lot to do with Elton John playing, you know, how he came out as a character. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's all again, it's also what are the influences that you listen to growing up? Those things no doubt. really drive a lot of what your production is as an artist. I believe that. Well, sure. It's it's already in your head, right? Because you've heard it and then it comes out as you. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Saturday. <laughs> Do you want to say something? <laughs> no, I said, let's. Let's. <laughs> I'm sorry I threw you off with a one word phrase. <laughs> Those are the scariest ones. <laughs> uh, Tom, did you want to say something? Should I buzz in from now on? Like buzz Kevin? in, knock on the door. <laughs> Excuse me, Don, may I have a word? Raise your hand. Pick <laughs> <Take> me. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Uh, Again, another legendary, legendary song. We love riffs, don't we? We do. So, you know, I'm sure probably everybody knows that song. Uh, amazing rock and roll track. One of, you know, one amazing. of Elton's most popular songs for sure oh. of his whole career. Dude, you want to get 19,000 people up and screaming? Yeah, right. Play Saturday and, nights. All right. Yeah, a, a great live song. Amazing. Oh, my God, man. It's Absolutely. rock and roll. Dude, rock and roll. <laughs> but but it's also a sing-along. You know, Saturday, yeah. Saturday. You know, so you got... Oh my God, there I go again. They got the old goosebumps. <laughs> this is the greatest thing. I love doing this, man. You know that. Oh, the memories. So, yeah, right. Exactly. Oh. So they did a version of this song. This was actually first recorded in the Jamaica sessions. And the first version that they did sounded like a bunch of angry bees. It was horrible. So it was so buzzy. And that's the, why they left. <laughs> so they tr spent like a day or two trying to fix it and and they just said all right you know what let's pack it in that send them back to france where they had uh you know a real a real studio the stuff in jamaica evidently was not really up to par in terms of quality for recording so uh that ended up driving them back to uh to france i'm glad they did Bernie Taupin called this song his first attempt to write a rock and roll song that was totally English. He said that most of his songwriting before this was focused on American culture. So that's interesting. Ah, that's an interesting fact. And it's kind of like he was talking about it was Bernie said it was about his teen years going to the British dance clubs and they said fights would happen all the time. Many of his songs were actually Bernie wrote to try to relate to Elton's life. You know, but this one was 100% Bernie's life. He said it's oh. unlikely that Elton would have been fighting in a club back in the day. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, I don't know how Elton would take that, but hey. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an interesting look at it. 
the other really interesting thing about this was this is the first song that Elton John recorded the vocal part while he was standing. Mm. So a lot of times he's playing and sitting and recording, you know, he's at the piano. You're not, you're very rarely standing up when you're playing a piano. Usually they're sitting down. Right. This time he was standing up and really got into it. And so it really, really uh, kind of elevated the song and took it to another level. And you can just feel the energy just in the raw, you know, recorded song. It's not even live, but you can feel that it, it amps you up and gets you, like you were saying, it gives you goosebumps, right? Uh, not nothing better. Just one of the greatest live songs ever. Yeah, ever. Okay, so second only to "Children of the Grave," may I say? Nice. Is that another Elton John song? I would have liked to heard that version. By the way, I know, just don't write us emails. I know that's not an Elton John song. <laughs> now you can email us all you want. I don't care. So let's talk about harmony. Oh, let's hello, take our time. It's a good one. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me? Or are you still the same spoiled child? This song was actually the B-side on Benny and the Jets single. So that's mm. fairly interesting. The other thing that's interesting about this is that the uh, song required some rich vocal harmonies and they were kind of going for that a little bit of that Beach Boys harmony sound. But yeah. instead of hiring professional background singers, Elton just used the guys who were the backing musicians and they did a really good job. Right. So, you know, in the end result is this just great, beautiful song that is, is so emotional. To me, uh, you know, as we go through the albums, I, I think this might be my favorite Elton John song. I, I really do. It's just everything about it is just so good. And uh, did I ever mention to you that I love B-sides? You know, whoever chose the B-sides was a genius when it came to putting songs on, because the Beatles, Elton John, their B-sides were just tremendous songs, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it was done on purpose. I, you know, I, I think it's going to be different with each, each release. But the interesting thing is that Elton John also said he never could tell which of his songs were going to be hits. Like even right. the most popular ones. Yeah. Sometimes he didn't think they were even the best songs on the album. So um you know i think the situation about picking the singles was a combination between the record company and the and the artists or various different uh, you know ways to do that always a battle yeah but it's like you said it, it can be amazing those songs even though they're oh. they're this kind of secondary songs they you they a lot of times they are amazing tracks i love the b-sides but you can hear a little bit of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road in this as well, in this harmony song. Yeah, there's a, these repeating musical themes throughout the album. Yeah, yeah. And you, you hear them here and there. You really have to listen to kind of catch them and really get into the into the deep, you know, really listen to the, the melodies right, a, and what's happening. There's a couple there. notes in a row that just, yeah, you heard them before. The Very other, cool. The other interesting thing about this was that uh, there was a huge uptick in girls named Harmony in the mid-70s, and a lot of people credit it to this song. Yeah, it's a tough name to name your daughter. <laughs> no it's offense like to any harmonies out there <laughs> all right edit it out <laughs> 
All right. So that's all I got for Goodbye oh. Yellow Brick Road. I just, again, it's a double album. So oh. There's so much there. We could go on for another two hours, but we want to, you know, kind of keep this, uh, you know, be cognizant of people's time and keep this uh, oh. relatively tight. But a great all time album. And if you're going to, if you've never heard Elton John before, it's a great place to start. Oh, let me tell you, Don, fantastic job today. Great, great, great music, great memories. Love doing this. Uh, everybody, go to YouTube, like us anywhere you can, press some button, help us out, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, whoever it is. And yeah, appreciate we appreciate that. it. And next week, Tom, we're going to dive into Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, what a beautiful, this is beautiful. I'm, I'm all in, man. I'm looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. it. All right. All right. Have a great week. See, See you, you guys. Next. Thanks, Don. Take care.